My name is David Yun, and you're listening to my Viewfinder, a podcast where we look to see the connections between photography, philosophy, and a way of life. I release an episode every Friday. Hit that subscribe button. Don't forget to rate us, leave a comment, and thank you for listening. What is your favorite day of the week, and why? That's a funny one. I have no favorite day of the week. And everyone who knows me laughs at me because I'm always like, "What day is it anyway?" Because I'm really, I'm completely freelance with everything that I do. So, like for me, Monday had might as well be Sunday, might as well be Tuesday. So I actually have no favorite day of the week. I would, I will say that、uh, Monday to Friday is good for things like going hiking and going shopping because most other people are at work and not. Hiking and shopping, so so that's good. But other than that, I don't have a specific one day. I do feel the same way. I have been unemployed for four years now. But、uh, <laughs> I'll ask you a quick follow-up question. I mean, do you find having to sync up with friends that have a, re- a quote-unquote regular week gets a little weird sometimes? I I,、uh, I don't have that many friends here, but、uh, it, it does put into <laughs> context sometimes. Say, I- yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm a bit of an introvert too, so my group is small. But yeah, it definitely, it definitely does. But also stuff like kids and like I live by myself. I don't have pets, so for me it's like I can go wherever, whenever, basically. <laughs> so anyone with any kind of adult concern, like a real job or <laughs> dependents, yeah, it's it, it's a little more complicated to sync up for sure. <laughs> Living the dream. Living the dream. My Viewfinder is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. Look us up at albertapodcastnetwork.com for Alberta-based podcast content. Don't call me a guru is a podcast about social media strategy from Canadian social media strategist Linda Huang. Her latest interview is with Edmonton-based artist Asia Loudon, muralist and large-scale painter. If art was made with Instagram, would it start looking like an algorithm? And is social media a tool that can be used for storytelling, perhaps to control the narrative instead of being at mercy of a third-party editor? You can check out that conversation on Linda's podcast blog. Don't call me a guru. Guru.wordpress.com, or you can find her work and all of our other work here at the Alberta Podcast Network at albertapodcastnetwork.com. And you know, what makes it good? There's got to be bad plant <laughs> art too. But、uh, <laughs> oh, is there something that makes, that makes bad it? Arts. <laughs> is there something that makes it? You know, personally, we don't have to make this an indictment of people you know、oh. uh, or call them out by name. I don't mind that either. It would be a good drama. But <laughs> oh,、uh, I, I have a list right here. <laughs> John, if you're listening,、no, um, I think uh, uh, you know. Because we're, I mean, I well, I lump us together. We're, I think, predominantly visual people, and there are people that are not.、Um, so, you know, from your practice, I mean, you have a very strong,、uh, at least right now, a very strong visual identity. It's hard, of course, for me to evaluate、uh, who you were before and how you've come to where you're at now, etc. But、uh, you know, this sort of, yeah, very. I don't know how to explain it. High contrast, very、uh, structural, sculptural. Um, I think yeah, pieces are fascinating. The only other person I, in our group that I know,、uh, Rocio, does not something similar, but is very has been very、uh, 
plant-based, a, a little more cynical because I think all her plants are dead, but, uh, you know, she does very vivid. <laughs> well, her, and rich, her plants yeah. are dead, but they're not, I mean, it's not in the cynical way, I don't think, and I don't I mean for her, but I think um, for her, they're, they're sort of just at, at this point in the cycle. So it's, you know, everything is always shifting and turning and, and so that's just, that's just kind of part of it. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, between them, I mean, they're both very rich, high contrast, high, you know, very sad. Well, I, I don't know, saturated, but like, you know, uh, vivid, very uh, lived in. Um, yeah. You know, is that, do you think that's intentional or do you think that's just something that comes to you because you want this world to be lived in? Uh, it is fascinating to me uh, as a process uh, reflecting on my own life as a visual artist, uh, how much intentionality I'm supposed to have building work. I uh, probably because I'm essentially I'm not young, but me doing this is quite young. I I am very intuitive, and I don't actually think too much about what I'm doing. I don't have a, a strong linear direction. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think right now I'm still you know because I I would also say that I'm you know relatively new to it. I think I've kind of solidified my ideas about what I'm working on in the last few years and kind of the aesthetic as well. But I'm still I think I'm still really kind of playing around with the ways that I make work and what what it looks like when I make it in different contexts so like I travel to a lot of different places because I want to see a lot of different landscapes and different ecosystems and sometimes I'll, I'll take my scanner with me and try working right there and you know sometimes that works out really well because I'm working with something that's like really vivid and you know it hasn't been drying out in a box uh, you know in the corner of my studio for three weeks or six weeks or six months so it has a different feeling to it but you know other times um, if I try and make work right in that place I haven't had enough time to think about the feeling of of the place or uh, maybe I haven't had time to learn enough about how how things kind of live together there to make a piece that to me feels like it properly reflects the things that I've looked at so I think I'm still really learning like to me I, I feel like now I've I am starting to figure out the best ways of working um, and I think those those do result in the kind of work that feels really vivid and really alive um, and very present as opposed to some kind of like dried up stuff that I've you know left aside for six months so I think I've I've gotten to a good a good place with the processes now hmm. yeah you know developing that process and that uh, practice it's interesting do you think that you've always been a discipline structure I mean you, you finished a degree, degree taught um you know, was there an element of uh, structural process making at that time? Or is this something you're learning to develop as an artist to think about, let's say, a project? Um, yeah. Oh, definitely still learning. Um, I think for me, a lot of the kind of thinking and planning comes when I'm like, honestly, when I'm writing grant applications and exhibition applications, because that's when I really have to sit down and kind of think through, um, what do I actually want the end product to be? What do I want to make? How do I want to make it? How long is it going to take? What's it going to cost? Like, I have to really sit down, try and lay all that stuff out for myself, but still leave some room to kind of experiment 
government during the process because otherwise everything would just be decided ahead of time, which I don't like. So I think the uh, more I practice, the, the more years I've been doing this, the more organized I get and the more time I spend thinking about those things because I'm applying for more grants and more shows. So I do a lot more of that. But when I'm actually making work, it's really not structured at all. Like I'm just kind of wandering around in the forest looking for stuff. Um, you know, and some days I find, uh, sometimes I find something interesting and sometimes like I'll be walking home with the three or four pieces in my hand arranged exactly the way that I know they're going to be in a final picture. And other times they're really not like I just have a little container with a bunch of stuff in it and I still need to think about it. So, so the actually, the actual part of making it, making the work is, is still pretty, still pretty intuitive. I think it's not very structured. It seems to work really differently depending on where I am and yeah. If we stay on this a little bit, you know, as far as grants and uh, I saw you, you've done some residencies and you've uh, had a lot of uh, shows, you know, without this becoming too much of a technical discussion, I mean, how how does that world work, you know, or how, how do you relate to that world? And, you know, I, I've only just started sort of picking at that, um, mm. but it's a very confusing. And um, Yeah, I think uh, for me, it's been... You know, now I, I've I've kept copies of my CV through all the years. So now I sort of look back at my first ones that I ever wrote and they're, you know, they're so short and there's hardly anything on there. And I look at it now and it's like, wow, I actually did a lot of stuff. So it's really just been like a really slow process. And at first, you know, of course, it's kind of smaller exhibitions and just kind of whatever so that you get some practice showing your work and getting stuff organized for a show and you know, meeting people and figuring out how all that stuff works. So. You know, I did a lot of really small shows to start with and group shows and as you add them to your CV and kind of get a little bit more confident, I think, about what you're doing, then that's when you, you know, you just kind of progress or you can anyways, you can start applying for bigger shows or shows that actually pay you money. And, and I think at a certain point, once I was confident enough in knowing what my practice was about, that's when I felt like I could start applying for grants because I had some really clear ideas about projects that I wanted to try. And I had the, I think I had the confidence that I'd be able to actually complete them. Like I had confidence in this, in this idea and in my process and my abilities, you know, that's, and, and that's what, that what organizations want to hear. They just want to know that, you know, you have a good idea and that you know how you're going to do it. So now I've, I've had several projects funded by grants and um, yeah, and it just kind of keeps building from there. And, you know, I've had some from Calgary Arts Development, so municipal and then provincial level. Um, Canada Council is the one I still have to crack. I haven't gotten up to that level yet, but it's, you know, that's one that you need more experience to get. They have a, maybe a bit of a higher, higher bar or a different priority for who they're funding. So it's all just kind of working towards it, chipping away a little bit at a time. And, you know, before you know it, here you are with a three page CV <laughs> that you have to start editing down. So. Yeah, it's a it's a long process, but it's yeah, just really adding little things at a time and just trying to get bigger and better every time you add something. This idea comes up a lot, you know, when how we use the word practice. But I think it's interesting that you talk about mm, early shows, but I think you're implying shows in general as a way to. Yeah, I mean, I I was putting on shows with my perspectives thing. So I mean, just hanging a piece of art is is its own craft, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, 
as a photographer or any art, but photography in general, just because the stupid high cost of uh, displaying it in the fine art way, uh, you know, learning all the nuances of making a physical object out of uh, out of an image is fascinating. But I also like this idea that you're developing who you think you are as an artist through the shows instead of having to know who you were before you had your first one. I mean, is there a reflection of what you might have displayed year one that is so far removed from what you're doing now? Or has it always kind of been along a theme? No, a lot, I think a lot of stuff has changed. Um, I think when I when I first started, I think I was... Uh, how can I describe it? I guess maybe you're, you're trying to fit your work to somebody else's theme a little bit more, if that makes sense. Like if I see a call for uh, a show that's all portraits, then I'm going to be like, okay, I'm going to go digging through this kind of vast array of work that I have made because I'm still new, so it's not really focused and kind of find something that fits with that. And I'll show that. And then there might be another call that's like for landscape art by women. I'll be like, okay, great. Well, I have some cool landscape photos. They have nothing to do with these portraits I showed last month, but I have these, so maybe I can show those. And I think as you go along, now I'm like, I would never apply to anything to do with portraits. Like, I'm not gonna dig around and try and find something that I that I shot because it's just not, it doesn't get me closer to where I want to be going. Anymore. Whereas before, maybe it was like, okay, well, this is another, another show that I can put on my CV. So it has that advantage. And yeah, and then I think the further you go along, or I did anyways, I just sort of realized that I was kind of zeroing in, I think, on the ideas and kind of work that I wanted to make. So as I went along, it became clearer to me what what I wanted to show and what I wanted to make. So yeah, I think that was just kind of part of the process. I was just imagining for a portrait, you could just take a Sharpie and put a happy face on a mushroom and uh, see how far <laughs> that gets. <laughs> right yeah, i mean <laughs> i i do call my pictures portraits of like an ecosystem but i have a feeling it wouldn't get into most portrait shows <laughs> <laughs> uh so when we're talking about sort of this grant writing show writing etc do you find because you mentioned how much structure planning but also uh you have to project a timeline and you have to have an intended aim so i guess uh a maybe a two-parter is do you find that can be limiting and is it even required to finish where you say you were meant to finish i mean what is the idea behind um i don't know what's the right word a proposal you know uh, how structured is it like do you have to say i will end up let's say it's a narrative i will end up with a project that is speaking towards xyz and then how do you know how does that affect your creative process and uh, have you missed one where uh, you've ended up with something completely different <laughs> or nothing at all uh, yeah um i think i think it, it will depend on the the grant for sure because there's some that that the the whole point of the grant as described by the funder is to let you experiment you know in that case you're going to be like well here's here's what i want to try here's why i want to try it here's what i think might happen and you don't have to be really specific about a final product there are other types of grants like a project grant maybe where it's definitely in your best interest to be like i'm gonna work on this project and at the end of it i'm gonna have 10 large framed pieces ready to apply for exhibitions and here's how I'm going to do it because that's 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 your your goal. So it depends on your goal. 
really um, how you write it. So some, yeah, some will, will be very open and some will be better suited to a really specific goal that you have. There's definitely room for flexibility. Like the, the funders who are giving money to artists don't expect this to be like, a, I don't know, like <laughs> an accounting project or something where at the end there's a perfect line of, of numbers and everything adds up. Um, they, I, they get that the creative process is um, unpredictable. So I think if you acknowledge that in your application, then that's probably realistic. And it also gives you some room to play around. So um, I think for the most part, they're they're pretty understanding. As long as, from, from what I've heard anyways, I've never had anything go completely off the rails and turn out as, as nothing. But as long as you're kind of keeping with the spirit of what you proposed and you stay in touch with them and kind of talk about what's going on, then you're you're in pretty good shape. So I think uh, they understand that, you know, maybe you set out to make 10 paintings and you've discovered that actually collage is going to work a lot better. They're not going to try and claw the money back if you make 10 collages. So. <laughs> Yeah, it, uh, there's there's quite a lot of there's quite a lot of variability. I think it I think it helps to to have some idea at least at the outset um, before you apply, just because then it lets you write an application that is that's clear. I think so. So is that now part of the way you you know art <laughs> as a verb? You know. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Um, so I'm I'm always kind of thinking of new new projects. Like I have a like a big ongoing body of work that's probably what most people will recognize, which is this scanned sort of objects that look like they're floating in space. So that's that's sort of my main work that I'm always doing. Um, but I'm also always trying new stuff, and I have lots of other sort of side projects that I'm always dreaming up because. Um, it lets me try new things and learn new things. And, you know, so like now I'm working on a project that is building jellyfish out of recycled plastic and then making cyanotypes of these sculptures. So it's like, it's completely different from what I'm doing now. The, the themes that I'm interested in are, are still the same, but it's a totally different way of exploring, um, of exploring it. And so, you know, that I proposed as another grant project and I was lucky enough to just get funding for that. So I'm starting on that now. But yeah, it's it's definitely part of my, my process now is trying to, trying to plan my work enough in advance that I can apply for funding for it so that I can, you know, at least make some of my living making art that way. I feel, yeah, I, I think you've posted those sanotypes somewhere. Yeah, I've yeah. posted a few of them on Instagram, yeah. yeah. See, I'm... I'm out there. I, I tried to quit social media, but yeah, Exposure Studio screwed me. As soon as the actress said that I could join, I was like, fuck, I have to get back on Instagram. So, ugh. Actually, yeah, yeah, I feel kind of dirty. You know you know what really screwed me up is uh, when I started this podcast, uh, it turns out a lot of podcast people are on Twitter. Twitter Twitter's death. Twitter's the worst thing yeah. I've ever. Yeah, Twitter I'm can be really bad. So stressful. But out. it can be really good. Like honestly, I I am really deliberate about who I follow. And Twitter and Facebook is almost all arts organizations for me and artists. And that's where I find out about most of the calls for submission and exhibitions and stuff like that. And other people's exhibitions so i'm really really picky about who i follow so it's not it's not too stressful for me it's a, I, I find it's a good resource but yeah I, I think the friends you keep adage is important i uh, my problem is i have podcaster friends and and they're always trying to stay woke and it's frustrating because i get a lot of fucking <laughs> yeah, american politics yeah american politics 
retweets they're they're the devil Ugh. i know <laughs> yeah no it's true it's true we're not that far behind in all no <laughs> We'll start another podcast and just trash the Alberta government. Uh, yeah. I don't think we have enough time. I'm in. <laughs> it's just like a 24-hour live stream of ranting. Uh, that's what Twitter is. Honestly, Twitter is just, <laughs> it's either Trump or Kenny. It's unbelievable. I, uh, yeah. I'm starting to worry that I'm being programmed to go farther to the left because uh, <laughs> it's, it's virulent. Um, <laughs> very polarizing i'll ask you this quick question and and this is uh this is kind of just a, a thought i had um and i don't really have any context in this because i'm not at all in the art world in toronto all of this stuff's happened after i moved to calgary but i do feel like as much as we need to work on representation uh, with ethnicities and sexuality stuff i do get this feeling that there's a lot of good representation with just female artists in the city anyways uh so as a female artist i mean do you think that's an accurate thought of the sort of younger movement i uh i don't know who is successful at it but yeah i i mean my class at acad was almost exclusively female so there's that um i don't know honestly i i haven't looked at the breakdown i don't feel like i've been excluded from anything because i am a woman um i know that the like big picture the numbers skew towards men and i you know, for sure, there's in in commercial photography. Definitely feel it. Um, I think I feel it a little bit less in the the fine art side of stuff. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I I know a lot of really successful female artists. So I mean, I guess I'm probably biased. We probably tend to, you know, band together and stick together and lean on each other. But I I don't I don't know if I have a good a good answer for that. I sprayed. I'm one of our speakers. Uh... Is Mark Seeley but talking about the colonial lens and I, my brain's been fixated on this idea of uh, how am I perceiving the world so like Twitter you know I, yeah. I'm following almost exclusively left-wing people and that's not even a thing anymore but uh, you know yeah. non-conservative right uh, yeah not right but they're just as cruel as what we would uh, paint a picture of you know somebody wearing a, a Trump supporter hat uh, some of these so-called left-wing people are fucking awful and I do find myself being pushed a lot more into that rhetoric. And so art is a fascinating thing. I, I don't know if there's such thing as uh, neutrality. I mean, I, maybe art is not meant to be neutral at all in its outset, but it is associated with liberalism and with left, you know, political leanings. Uh, again, I think that's a bias too, but it's just a thought I had. I, uh, you know, you, you work with plants, you're female. <laughs> you know, there are tropes. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it's an interesting... Yeah thought well but yeah i think we all come to it with our own kind of bias right i'm i'm sure that uh yeah i mean i i look at it from my perspective and you know so i i haven't had the same experiences as that uh that a person of color would have had so um honestly there's probably all sorts of problems with the system that i've just never come up against because it's not you know it hasn't hasn't been my experience i don't have my stuff looked at as you know sort of quaint or whatever like i feel i feel like i belong in the gallery i feel like i belong you know where where i'm getting grants and stuff but you know for sure there's there's people who haven't who don't have like 10 years of post-secondary behind them like i do um i can turn out a convincing essay in favor of getting money for my art you know without without too much trouble but i think there's you know a lot of people who who would would have a problem because they didn't have maybe that particular experience that i've had so um 
you know, that's just one example of ways that people could very easily be excluded. Maybe if their English is a second language or, you know, so many, so many different reasons. Um, so, I mean, I, I can only tell you what my perspective is, which is I, I feel like I belong there and I haven't often been made to feel like I don't belong, but that's, that's coming from a, you know, a lot of post-secondary educated white woman. <laughs> And yeah, for what it's worth, it was not meant to. Definitely not meant to be a challenge. I mean, uh, like I said, the only research I I did was your CV, and and it is it is at least three pages long. No way. Yeah. Um, The other thing that um, I mean, this is not something that you necessarily need to respond to, but I just going back to Twitter, it it is fascinating how I feel like sometimes the least. The least educated people have the loudest voice. You know what? I was shocked. And this is, I don't even going to keep this on the podcast, but I found out that Jason Kenney doesn't even have a university degree. So um, that's a thing. Eh? It's fascinating. I, I don't know. I think all the experiences that you have in your life probably give you more nuanced understanding of things. And if you're, if you've only, you know, been with the same small group of people in the same place your whole life or just you know for one reason or another been exposed to very limited number of viewpoints for whatever reason you know that's that's going to make it more difficult for a person to understand multiple sides of things like i i have read so much fiction in my life so you know just as an example it means that i have walked in the shoes of so many different people just because they're reading fiction like it doesn't have anything to do with post-secondary education or you know i've lived in the same city my whole life but yeah i think if it's the echo chamber thing right if you have if you are never exposed to multiple perspectives then it's hard to hard to imagine them i guess so what kind of books do you read what kind of fiction Science fiction? No. No, never science fiction, actually, or (laughs) rarely. (laughs) Um, I like like really long, long epic stories about people and their kind of adventures (laughs) in life. Just like like mundane adventures. (laughs) So we're not talking Tolstoy or Dickens. We're talking about something... No, more, more contemporary. <laughs> I think I read a lot more contemporary kind of Canadian fiction, I guess. Oh, Canadian. Yeah, support the Canlit. Yeah, I I have I mean uh, uh, Margaret Atwood, that's all I got. I uh yeah. I am not I am not uh, <laughs> I I was joking a lot about how I don't read anymore, but that's not strictly true. Uh, you know, it's interesting. No, I just spoke too much. It's not an interview for me. I don't I don't know why I keep talking. Yeah, it's a sweat. podcast about what books you're reading. We could. You know, <laughs> it's art, right? We could, it would uh, be good. Yeah, I think it's all influential. Yeah. Yes. We do a photographer's book club. Although, I mean, it's why I don't do this with this podcast. Too many so-called photographers only want to talk about cameras. And if I get people giving me a, a camera book, <laughs> I'm going to make I, I love making <clears throat> trouble. All right. So... <laughs> Thank you. That was fun. Thank you. Yeah, it's a pleasure. This episode is brought to you by Park Power, a provider of electricity and natural gas in Alberta that offers low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. In Alberta, you get to choose who you buy your energy from. If you choose Park Power, your money stays here. Plus, 
Park Power shares with local not-for-profits that are working to make a difference in their communities. Shopping local is very important to Park Power's owner, Chris Kozowski, and we love local here at the Alberta Podcast Network, so it's a great fit. Learn more at parkpower.ca. Or how about this? What's the, especially because uh, you like mushrooms so much? What's the best meal you've ever had? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love food. So I've had so many good meals. Um, honestly, I think one of the most memorable ones was I was in Italy a really long time ago, and we went to some little like is in Florence, and it was some like tiny little street, like one little unmarked door and you go in and there's just like two or three long tables that everybody sits at like family style and I had a, you know they, I can't remember the other things that we ate but there's just a bowl of like fresh bow tie pasta with a little bit of olive oil and fresh peas and that's it and everything in the bowl was like the best of the best and the atmosphere was amazing. And yeah, I think that's that's probably one of my best meals. I will say I'm disappointed it wasn't a mushroom. I feel like I'm, I'm associating with mushrooms at this point, some form of fungi <laughs> well, or algae. I mean, if you want a good mushroom meal, this, this uh, I can't even remember what month it was anymore. September, I did a residency uh, out near Creston and the folks who were hosting, um, we went one day and we, Look, we found a bunch of lobster mushrooms, which are one of the easiest ones to identify because I'm not like, they're all just kind of mushrooms to me. I can't identify a lot of them. Um, mushrooms are notoriously hard to identify, but lobster mushrooms are easy. You cannot, there's no question. You can eat them. They're good. So we picked a whole bunch. We cooked them all up and we ate them and it was great. So that was actually the first like, foraged mushrooms I've ever picked myself and eaten. So that was, that was also pretty cool. <laughs> How would you summarize your life in one sentence? Oh my God. I can't. I've had, I've like, I feel like I've gone through so many iterations of myself. <laughs> How about in this iteration, I'm an artist. <laughs> I think that's perfect. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think that says everything actually. Yeah. Yeah. If you could tell the world one thing, what would it be? Oh, man. Look at this moss. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, all, that's all I got. 